0: The following podcast contains spoilers and words such as gh, dun, and b*****. Mate, did we watch A Thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your very favourite podcast, We Watched A yeah. Thing. You've got Billy and you've got Topher, and We Watched A Thing. How are you doing, mate? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. What did we watch this week? Uh, Steven Soderbergh has a new film, so we watched it. We did. Um, It's called No Sudden Move. That's right. 2021 American period crime thriller directed, photographed and edited by Steven Soderbergh. Written by Ed Solomon, it has an ensemble cast of Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, again, John Hamm, Amy Simitz, Brendan Fraser, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jupe, and Craig Grant, Julia Fox, Frankie Shaw, Ray Liotta, and Bill Duke. What a smashing cast. Isn't it just? It's insane. And what is it about, Toph? It is about a a job gone wrong. As mm. as happens in many movies. Yes, yes. This is not the first, <laughs> and it won't be the last. Now, fair to say that you're a Soderbergh fan? Uh, sure, yeah. I've got a soul. <laughs> Soda- I mean, he's a little- I think he's a little more hit and miss for me than he is for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, look. Oh, totally agree. I totally mean, agree. The last Soderbergh we did on the show from memory was Unsane, which I oh, think was my yuck. lowest scored film of the year, and and I don't think you were a big fan of it either. Nope. So, I was very curious to check this out. The trailer was giving me big Ocean's Eleven vibes. Did you have any kind of expectations going in? Not really. I hadn't seen a trailer for it. Like All I knew about the film really was Soderbergh, Heist, Cheadle, and Del Toro. And I was like, yes, yes, get in my eyeballs, quite <laughs> frankly. Um was very, very keen from Soderbergh, who's just a- ...filmmaking marvel, quite frankly. Like, the world's ground to a halt, and yet Soderbergh put out a film, like, seven months ago. He's got another one coming out in, like, five months, and he's this one. It's like, this guy is a freak. Yeah. Soderbergh is one of those people, to me, a little bit like Stephen King. where Whether you love him or whether you hate him, you can tell that he very much cares about his craft, you know? And he is a filmmaker's filmmaker like he he puts a lot of thought into what he does even if it is a popcorn flick like Ocean's 11 you can just you can see the thoughtfulness behind it and i do appreciate that so as i mentioned at the top he photographed this film do you mind if we as he s- as he tends to yeah well certainly of late do you mind if we start with the cinematography go for it i didn't love it <laughs> at all at all. I don't know what the thought behind using anamorphic wide angle lens for every single shot in the film was, even for close up shots, using a very wide, not quite fisheye, but enough that the edges of frame are really distorted. Yeah, and to that's, call it a, yeah, like you say to call it a wide angle yeah. does not do justice to how wide it is. That's there right. is mad distortion. And it's clearly it's clearly a stylistic choice. It's very similar to Snyder's recent Army of the Dead fiasco where he used those lenses for every single shot. Same thing here. He used every single shot as far as my eyes can tell are done with this wide angle anamorphic lens. That's fine when the camera is static. The problem is that there is a lot of camera movement in this. This is this is not a... This isn't clerks, for example. This isn't a lock the camera off and let it go. Just about every shot in this movie has motion in the camera. And as soon as that camera moves, I thought I was going to hurl. Because the distortion in the edges of frame there, particularly when characters slip into it, just made me feel sick. And... That's a look that is usually reserved for kind of psychological horror scenes. It's it's what you would use when someone is kind of losing their mind or something and you want it to look a little bit slippy. Yeah, or on a trip or something. Yeah. I didn't understand the choice behind it here and it very much didn't work for me. Did you like it any more than that? So I'm totally torn on Soderbergh's work in the camera for this film because- You touched on the movement of the camera, which I actually think is fantastic and serves scenes in the film really well. I think it's, for me, and without, like, I haven't really, like, drilled into this and checked exactly, like, you know, torn apart every film that he himself has acted as director of photography for. But it might well be my favourite In terms of the lighting and the look of the film, I think it's arguably his best work. I agree. And that's what annoys me so (laughs) much about the lenses. And yet yet we're seeing it through these distorted lenses, which Soderbergh is obviously a very thoughtful filmmaker. Yes. Clearly, there is intention behind it. What it is, I don't know, Stephen. Yeah. I'm not on your wavelength, and it didn't connect with me because- if it's on a wide lens, <coughs> absolutely. Come at me. Love a wide lens. Yeah. This is this is something else. Yes. And nah, not for me. I felt exactly the same way. And that, to me, is the biggest crime of it, is that I agree with you. The lighting is beautiful. The movement of the camera, as you say, serves the shots. It's, it's, it's a very well-composited film. The composition of every shot is gorgeous. It's ruined, though. It would be like if Picasso did a painting using Microsoft Paint. And you're like, yeah- Look, mate, that looks all good and shit, but it's just the wrong fucking tool for the job. Isn't Picasso the one person who probably could use Microsoft Paint? Yeah, probably. It would still look like <laughs> shit, though, because nobody should use Microsoft Paint. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are alternatives I used to do some pretty good paint. stuff in Paint, just quietly. <laughs> I know you did, mate. <laughs> I remember us, before the days of Photoshop, putting people's heads on other people in Paint. Mm. I don't know if you've looked at those pictures lately, mate. They don't look good. I wouldn't have thought so. Also, far more innocent than you're making it sound. Just quietly, <laughs> I know what some people are thinking. It's not that. It was like it was like Billy being on Kevin Smith, and no one being able to tell that it had <laughs> no Billy's one, head no one on one it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's a great picture of Kevin Smith. It's a fat guy with a beard and glasses. It's, yeah, it's a cool picture. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, you went through the cast at the beginning. It's pretty stacked. It um, it took me a mo- it took me a minute to realize it was Brendan Fraser, dude. Dude, I love Brendan Fraser. Man, got big. <laughs> yeah, bit a bit of method there. Do you reckon? I I haven't seen him in a good couple of years. He kind of dipped out of the scene. I know that he's been acting in one of those superhero shows, but I haven't been watching it. I'm right. I, yeah. No, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, Umbrella Academy, I believe. Oh God, I saw like the first. Two episodes and was like, nah. I didn't watch any, but I believe that's the one he's he's been in of late. Um I I still love him, and I think he's actually perfect for this role. I never realized, and maybe it's just as he's gotten bigger, he has a great voice for that character. It's it's commanding and booming, and he's just he's he's wonderful in this role. He's like yeah, he's, he's now- like the Marlon Brando of modern day. Because I was watching it going and like specifically picking up on what you said about his voice. He sounds like one of those theatre actors that just gets plugged into a, a film for a small role. Yeah. Because um, they're like, yeah, this guy's got a, a look and sound that'll really work yeah. for this character. And then like 40 seconds later, I was like, wait, that's Brendan Fraser? Yeah. Yeah. He was wonderful. I don't. I actually don't think there's a bad member of this um cast. No, I think it's really strong across board. I think the board. it's very strong. I think um, my biggest issue with the film, apart from the lenses, which we'll get to, is the- Pacing and the story and the progression of things, I think it gets a little bit twisty, Um, but we'll get there. Let's stay on the cast. I could just watch Benicio del Toro act all day long yeah, and just remain very happy. That guy is just an absolute lord. Yeah, same. And him and Don Cheadle end up having very good chemistry in the film. They do, which... (laughs) ...is important because... It is important. ...without it's that, this film would be significantly less watchable. Yes. Let me ask you this. When the film started, uh, who did you think we were going to be following through on the story? Like, in hindsight, of course, it's Cheadle and Del Toro. Cheadle is the first character we're introduced to. He, But I don't know if it's just that part of my brain that expects us to stick with kind of... The little guy or something. But I, I really thought David Harbour was our in to the story. And I thought that we were going to stay more with his family. So for me, it took a big turn when we left them almost completely and just follow Cheadle and, and Del Toro. Yeah, like you, I assumed that Cheadle going to be our guy. He's, he's literally the first person we see. So it, it kind of makes sense that, like, that that's our in and that's where we're going to be. I would say that, for me, the movie works at its best when it is cutting between the different characters in different settings at the same time. Yeah. Um, And the final 45 for me was weak when we stopped that. Yeah, so it is a bit of a bummer when we leave some of the cast behind because a lot of the momentum of the film, I think... not, Not so much the momentum, it's not like the... Story is necessarily ever moving along at a belting pace, but just the energy of the film yeah. goes down significantly. Yes, because it's actually a very quiet film. Like, I went in expecting this was like Ocean's Eleven level, and especially when you see the cast, list, that's where my mind went. Like, oh, this is a fun, all these people come together for a heist or something. That's not this. This is a very slow-moving um, and slow slow motivated as well kind of story and these little characters kind of trickle in as you go along and and Don Cheadle and Benigio kind of piece the story together and we're introduced to these little guys here and there um and I agree I think in the in the final act it loses that momentum. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the characters bob up in a kind of almost like a Coen Brothersy type way where it's just like here's this one cool character they're just going to be here for the scene. Yeah. Um which which is f- like which is fun. I yeah. enjoy it. Um but there's there comes a point, and, and this film was made in lock in a in a time of lockdown. This is a pandemic film. Yeah. And there comes a point where I don't like I think there's very few scenes where you'd be watching going, Oh, this feels like a lockdown film with this specific scene. Agreed. But uh, there comes a point where where it does kind of take effect because you reach this kind of critical mass of, okay, it's another scene with, like, no extras and whatever. It's just a couple of people talking in a room. Yeah. And individually, they're not bad scenes. Yeah. But it's there comes a point where it's like, okay, it's another two people talking about, no, it was actually this person doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and it ticks the dad movie box because Matt Damon does his thing and makes a cameo. <laughs> Matt Damon does he just have like a radar for dad movies where he's like, I got to get in there and 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 be in this for three minutes. <laughs> the ki- I mean the the current undisputed king of the stunt casting. <laughs> yeah. Like I I so I did actually I lo- when I said that all I knew about this film was you know what I said. The only other thing I knew was that there was a piece of stunt casting in it. But by the time I was watching the film, i had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. So when Damon popped up, you have like, it's weird because you have half a second of, oh, wow, it's Matt Damon. But then before that second's up, you're like, hey, of course it's Matt Damon. <laughs> fun, fun Matt Damon news this week that I saw. Yeah. Just to go on a little tangent. He was speaking at, I believe, the Cannes Film Festival. And talking about, you know, roles that could have done, should have done, that kind of thing. It would come as no shock that James Cameron approached him to be the lead in Avatar. Like, that makes sense. That tracks. I, yep. I, yeah, I'd, I'd want Matt Damon for that role, particularly at that, you know, it was a kind of Jason Bourne sort of time. Yep. <laughs> Jim Cameron's offer to Matt Damon, apparently, 10% of box office. Yeah, right. And so no pay on top of that, like just the residuals. I don't know, maybe through maybe it was like a few mil up front. Wow. And then 10% of the biggest movie ever. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it, I mean that's working, probably fine. As a working but, actor, it's a, it's a massive gamble to take though because I mean, yes, we know now in hindsight that it was the biggest movie ever, but there were no guarantees back then and I mean I certainly don't think that the sequels are going to perform half as well so I hope that's not what he's offering actors in the sequels. <laughs> that's how he got Worthington back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Worthington was like nah mate, I'm, my slate is full. <laughs> I'm a busy man. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, Matt Damon knocked back like $280 million. Wow. Can you imagine having $280 in, million? In dollars? hindsight. Yeah, that's- I can't- I can barely imagine having (laughs) $280,000. Anyway, I'm sure Matt's fine. Yeah, he seems all right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he's getting paid for all these cameos he's doing. Definitely. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Like, you know, when he does it with filmmakers he's chummy with, he might just turn up at scale. True. True. Like in, you know, Thor Love and Thunder, he's like, what, you mean I get to just hang out in the Hemsworth mansion for a while in a country (laughs) not riddled with Rona? Yeah, sure. (laughs) What movie are you talking about? <laughs> I forget. Let let me say this about any heist film. For me, just speaking personally here. Way more fun without tech. Yeah. Oh definitely. Definitely. You know, even even small tech, I think we forget what a difference a cell phone would make in one of these movies. You know, like it it very smart choice to go as far back as it did and it's fun, like for a film where like what i knew about it was soderbergh has got a new heist film um not a, not a big part like it's it's weird that you spend so little time building up to the heist oh yeah and then and then it's really about unraveling it not the heist itself which is actually a really comparatively little deal i i would almost argue that this isn't even a heist film really Yeah, yeah. because there is no there's no real heisting. <laughs> so we get the kind of coming together of the team that is typical of heist films. But mind you, in this, the team is only three people. So you get a very brief introduction as Brendan Fraser gets them together. And then there kind of is no heist. It's it's It starts off more as like a home invasion film, I guess, with a small heisty element um but then it's more as you say that kind of unraveling and and tracking down the heisted item and as it goes through different people hmm. um yeah great bit of um, for me I, I really enjoyed this bit of writing in in that section of the film where there's a moment between mother and son in that family um where she says to the she says to the kid don't worry if they were going to hurt us, they wouldn't bother wearing masks. I thought the same thing, Which, yes. at, the, at the time, and on, on its own, that's not information that we need. But because it only takes four seconds, you're not going, why is that even there? And then you realise ten minutes later when it pays off, when Kieran Culkin walks back into the house without his mask on, and you go, oh, shit. I thought that was actually genius writing, because firstly, it made me realise how smart she was, too, because that's not something I had thought of. But, like- of course, if they're wearing masks, they don't want you to know their identity, and if Which they don't want you to know, matter their- if you're dead, exactly. I did. So I thought that that was such a smart piece of writing. As you say, it takes four seconds, but it gives us a lot in that four seconds. Yeah, just a just a really fantastic little bit of script work. I thought. Yeah. Um, and I, I Kira, Kira Culkin. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Love a bit of Kieran. Yeah. Smashing in this. It's it's a shame he's only in it for so little, but that's kind of how I feel about the cast across the board. Like, John Hamm, very good. Very little John Hamm in this. David Harbour, very good. Very little David Harbour in this, really. I think that to me is almost the biggest crime of the film is that we get to know and love all these characters, and then we don't really get any payoff with them. Like as I said, I really thought after a certain point David Harbour was going to be the character we were following because he was quote unquote the good guy. Like he was grey, but he wasn't he wasn't the bad guy like Cheadle and Del Toro were. So I really thought we were going to stick with him. And yeah, it like kind of he- took me by surprise when we didn't. Right. So like he might be a a more innocent version of arguably the lead character in Fargo. Ex- well, exactly. It, it, yeah, like almost the Macy. Exactly. That's kind of where I thought we were heading. And yeah, let me tick off a little Billy, Billy Bingo here. Big fan of the score for this film. I think the score yeah. it was like the rug in the Big Lebowski. It really tied the room together for me. Like it was it was that nice driving jazzy like it had because to me, you know, this is a period film, but there's not a lot of moments there that really sell the time, I don't think. But the music kind of kept you there the whole time without being in your face fifties ish or anything. Um, I was a big fan of the driving score. Yeah, I don't know if it's a um I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing that it's almost a kind of just generic period thing. Like, yes, mm-hmm. there is a I'm sure there is a I'm sure Steven Soderbergh knows what year this film is set in but for me it's just kind of like oh yeah it's just old timey choose your own adventure as to yeah when it is like because i like i don't know when this moment in car manufacturing for instance i don't know when that moment is that's right yeah and in fact it almost seems irrelevant i must say i was very surprised with the title cards at the end because I don't know if that's trying to give the movie perhaps more of a political leaning or something. It seemed very out of place to me because this isn't a true story, but is that part true? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. And it was information that as it was coming up, I was like- okay, fine, um, I don't yeah, care. <laughs> that's not what this movie's about. This isn't Ford v. Ferrari. Like, there's, you know, we know that what they're trying to steal is, you know, some kind of plans for a new engine or something, but it's it's almost a little bit like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction up to that point. It doesn't really matter what it is. No, no, so absolutely. I found that a little bit of an odd choice. Yeah, like, Cheadle ripping the thing in half is cool. It doesn't yeah. matter to me what is on the pages. Exactly, yep. Clearly, Damon's character cares enough to just- Wax lyrical for a while about <laughs> how much better he is than them, just as a human. Yeah. Um, but again, that has nothing to do with the the muffler upgrade <laughs> that's yeah. on the paper. Yeah. Which almost, almost when you find out about it, it's like, oh, that sounds deeply uninteresting. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't know why they want that. so yeah. Bad. No one's wondering if it's Marcellus Wallace's soul on those pages. <laughs> All right, so how are you scoring No Sudden Move? Strange title as well, by the way. I was a little bit like, what does that yeah. have to do with anything? Well, it's apt for the definitely the second half of the film. It's definitely apt for, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> move second half of this movie. Ain't moving suddenly. <laughs> um, look, all in all, I enjoyed it. Um, by no means do I think it's peak Soderbergh, but um, it's better than a film that I'd almost managed to forget about entirely in Unsane, um, yeah. I'm a six out of ten. Exactly the same boat. Six out of ten here as well, buddy. Um, all right. So second week running. Oh, I'm still here, buddy. <laughs> okay, I'm still here. All right. Yes. <laughs> the second winner of the Wayne Grow Cup for Didn't Know They Were Filming. Okay, I'm gonna have to. Th- I'm not prepared. I, sh- I should have remembered this from last week. I'm gonna have to take this into account from now on. Didn't even know they were filming. Okay, uh, are there any are there any scenes of Brennan Fraser eating at all? <laughs> If there are, I don't think he knew they were filming. Actually, just a, the Soderbergh, Brad Pitt kind of thing. <laughs> Can I just, not quite looking like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Can I just say, I know we're late here, but I feel bad that we haven't mentioned Noah Jupe yet, who I think is one of the best child actors working. Between this and Quiet Place, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Honey Boy, um, he's exceptional. And I think we're in for a loss when he gets older, because then they're going to have to find a new kid who can act. Mm. Only a matter of time until Noah finds drugs. <laughs> Look, I, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to think on the who didn't know they were filming. Do you have an answer for it? It's mate, it's not my patch. <laughs> okay, I'll come back to you. All right. So what are we getting to next week, buddy? Um, sticking with a a well known filmmaker. Next week we will be getting to the new M Night Shyamalan film. Old as fuck. <laughs> I'm really keen for this. I've seen the trailer a few times and I'm very excited. But I, I have a strange relationship with it, with Shyamalan where I generally tend to like his stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where am I at recently? I mean, because I thought that- um, What was the sequel? Oh, Glass. To Split Cold again? Oh, Glass, yeah, that oh, was terrible. Glass was bad. Yeah. Glass was bad. Maybe that means, you know, maybe it's a kind of, you know, the, the stock market zigzaggy line. Maybe yeah. we're going up. I suppose mo- that's the hope. Before we move on mate, I've got something special. Mhm. What's the one thing we really hate on this show? Child actors. Apart from that, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> loose ends. We don't like loose ends, do we, buddy? I I'm not against loose ends. A couple of weeks Am I? A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about In the Heights, you and I threw out the idea of Dad's the musical. Yep. Now, not to disappoint, I went away and I did some thinking. And I tried to think about what that might sound like. And so I would like to present for you. Two men watching Ford v Ferrari. (laughs) I'd like to present for you a little medley I've put together of what Dad's the musical could sound like. All right. consider, Consider this my pitch. All right. Middle-aged Dads come out tonight Overweight Dads come one come all The fire in the grill is shining bright Fathers all come to make World War II talk Middle-aged Dads are black and white Middle-aged Dads make terrible puns Middle-aged Dads drink beer from cans And get up too early to mow the lawn Good morning mower my beautiful lawn! Shut up fellas, it's too fucking early! Oh wow, it's the whole thing. <laughs> Movies with Damon or look like Damon Waking up early to the smell of bacon Going out and eating too many wings These are a few of my favourite things Looking at airplanes and World War II history. Not all that mysterious movie mysteries. Oh, really? You're hungry? Well, hi, my name's Dad. Making bad jokes that make my family mad. There we go, buddy. That's what Dad's the Musical could be. Really <laughs> liked the Bo Burnham special, did you? I think we're in for a gold mine, mate. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> uh, all right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at com or wewatchething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under that, all at WeWatchTheThing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash thing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie, folks. Probably a not very mysterious <laughs> mystery. <laughs> I like that line. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) That line. Was that a dig at the rest of the lines? No, it wasn't. Just take the compliment, Billy. Okay. Just take the compliment. Okay.